Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 33, starting at verse 14 and going to verse 18. Jeremiah 33:14. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Saviour. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the Levitical priests ever fail to have a man to stand before me continually, to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. The second reading is from Romans chapter 5, Verses 6 to 8. Verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Well, hello, everyone. Let me start by asking you, have you ever got something horribly wrong? Have you ever messed up and ended up embarrassing yourself? Let me tell you a story from a few years ago. I was a dating Pearl at that time. Pearl is now my wife. And I was at her place and we got to the end of the evening and I needed to go to the bathroom. So I headed off to the bathroom and what would you know, when I got there, the door was closed. Now, what will you do in my situation? The door was closed. I looked under the crack. No lights were on. So I did what was logical and opened the door. And you know the saying, the lights are on, but there's no one at home. Well, in this case, the lights were off and there was someone at home. I opened the door and turned on the light and there was Pearl's grandmother sitting on the throne. And I looked at her. And she looked at me and it was like one of those moments where time slowed down. And then she smiled at me and I lost all composure, turned off the lights and closed the door. But sadly for me, that's not the end of the story. A few months later, same situation. I go to the bathroom, the doors are closed, no lights are on. What would be the chances that this would happen again? Different day, same result. Sometimes we get things horribly wrong. But here's the question. Does God? Does God get things wrong? Because when we come to our passage and have a look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it seems like he does. Because what does the Bible say at this point? It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And while at first glance that seems quite reasonable, there's actually two problems with what the Bible is saying at this point. Firstly, by saying God loves us while we were still sinners. And secondly, by saying that God sends Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. And while that sounds wonderful and the type of thing we'd expect God to do because isn't the God of the Bible a God of love, we need to also remember that for God to love us, he needs to be just. That to love us and especially to love the powerless and oppressed, God has to make sure that the unjust, the wicked, the evil, the cruel, those who misuse their powers and end up hurting others, that these people are also held to account and ultimately punished for the things that they've done. I mean, if a judge or a politician just turned a blind eye to corruption or swept injustice under the carpet, we would be outraged because that would be wrong. And it's exactly the same when it comes to God, which raises our question, how can God love us and send Jesus to die for us despite our sin and the things that we've done. How can that be loving? How can that be just? How can that be right for God to do that? Does God get things wrong? That's what we're going to be looking at in the Bible today. And to start with, let's have a think about the first proposition. How can God love us while we were still sinners. And I've heard people say to me, Gary, look, that's easy because God hates the sin and loves the sinner. You've heard that phrase before, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. But let me ask you, do you think that actually works? God hates the lie but loves the liar. I think we can live with that. God hates the greed but loves the greedy. God hates the drunkenness but loves the drunk. We won't condone that, but oh, it's kind of okay, isn't it? But what happens when you push that a little bit further? God hates the murder, but loves the murderer. God hates the abuse, but loves the abuser. God hates the war crime, but loves the the war criminal. If you keep on pushing it, you end up with a problem because in the end, you can't really separate the sin from the sinner. Because what is sin? I wasn't always a Christian and uh, before I became a Christian, I used to think that sin was doing something particularly bad. The sin was doing something particularly immoral or even criminal. But the Bible says that sin is actually slightly different to that. That sin is actually all about our relationship with God and sin is all about putting what we want and we think before what God wants and God thinks. It's about saying yes to ourselves and no to God and by that definition, all of us, even the very best of us, are sinners before God. Because each of us in our own way have done that at some point. I mean, just think about it for yourself for a second. Has there ever been a time where you've made a decision or done something without first thinking about God's place in all that. I mean, we have all done that. We've 
all done that. I mean, here's another one. Has there ever been a time when you've made a decision or done something you know is wrong? Either by God's standards or even our own. We've all done that because none of us are perfect. And it's out of this, out of this, uh, out of our relationship with God where we put ourselves before Him, out of our sin, that sinful actions emerge. It's a bit like the relationship between a disease and a symptom. So a disease is like a viral infection, right? It's the underlying thing that causes the problem. While a symptom is what flows out of that, like a cough, a temperature, a runny nose. A symptom is what you see. The disease is the problem. It is exactly the same when it comes to sin. It is our sin against God, the disease, where we put ourselves first, that leads to the symptoms, our sinful actions, things like greed and lies, broken promises and injustice. And because of this relationship, you can't actually separate the sin from the sinner because one comes from the other. They go hand in hand. And this is why, going back to where we started, that it seems wrong that the Bible says that God loves us while we were still sinners because you can't actually separate the sin from the sinner. And this leads us to the second thing uh, that God seems to get wrong in our passage, that God not only loves sinners, but also sends Jesus to die for them. Now, every now and then you hear stories of remarkable bravery and sacrifice. I heard one a few years ago, it's a was about a plane crash in America where six people died, but one young lady from Melbourne survived. And she survived because of the actions of her skydiving instructor. Because uh, what happened when uh, they knew that the plane was getting out of control was that he actually went to this lady, clipped his harness to hers, uh, drew her close to himself, and supported her head and he said to her, as the plane is about to hit the ground, make sure you're on top of me so that I'll take the force of the impact. And she remembers uh, when the plane hit a uh, telegraph pole and started spinning out of control, she, she, act, she could actually sense this diving instructor positioning himself and twisting and turning to make sure that she was on top of him when the plane hit the ground. And when the plane hit the ground, he took the full force of the impact. She survived. She was terribly injured. She had pressured vertebrae, muscle tears around her spine, a broken pelvis, broken collarbone, concussion, severe bruising. She survived, but he didn't. He sacrificed his life in order to save hers. Now, would you do that? Would you do that for someone? Uh, This is what uh, this lady's sister said after the accident. She said, I can't believe that in this world when so many people are so jaded that there are people out there like that. He met Kimberly, as far as I know, that day. I would do that for her, but I can't believe that a stranger who just met her would knowingly give up his life for hers. I mean, who would you give up your life for to save? Your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your best friend, someone you looked up to, someone you admired. 
You might actually, mightn't you, in one of your better moments. But how about that person at work who's been claiming credit for all the things you've been doing? Or that tradesman who's ripped you off or done shoddy work? Or that person online who's been constantly harassing and bullying you? Would you be willing to give up your life for them? I don't think I would. I don't think many of us would. And that's what we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 7, where the Bible says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. That in the highly unlikely situation where we could save someone's life through giving up our own, we might possibly consider it if we thought they deserved it. But here's the thing, almost no one would consider giving up their life for someone who's been hurting them or they consider an enemy. Yet what do we read? We read that Jesus, who is fully God, gives up his life for those who are living opposed to him. That Christ has died while we were still sinners. And by our standards and from our perspective, that doesn't make sense. It seems wrong. I mean, if we wouldn't do it, why would God? And the answer that the Bible gives us is that this is what God needs to do in order to love us and still be just. Because what actually happens when Jesus gives up his life for us on the cross? Jesus goes to the cross just like that skydiving instructor we spoke about earlier. Because what happens is Jesus dies on the cross at that very first Good Friday for your sins and mine. As someone who doesn't have to, Jesus never sinned against God. He was perfectly innocent. Is that what he does is he actually clips his harness to ours draws us close, supports our head and says to us, make sure you're on top of me as I take the full force of the impact. And on the cross what happens is that all the punishment that we deserved for the way that we have sinned against God falls on Jesus instead of us. And in doing so, what happens Jesus gives up his life in order to save ours, wiping our slate clean, bringing us forgiveness, making us right with God, opening the way to heaven. And he does this while maintaining God's justice because sin is dealt with. It's not swept under the carpet. God doesn't turn a blind eye Rather, what God does is take the consequences of our sin on himself in our place. And for some of us, we've heard this before, haven't we? We've heard it before. Uh, We hear it every Easter. You come to church regularly, you hear this all the time. And it's one of those things that's easy to gloss over, what Jesus has done for us by going to the cross. But just pause for a moment and, and reflect on this. When does the Bible say that God demonstrates his love for us? 
the Bible says God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. And secondly, when does the Bible say that God sends Jesus to die for us? The Bible says God sends Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, God shows us his love and sends Jesus to die for us before we'd done anything to deserve it, before we were somehow good enough, before we were somehow religious enough or had reached a certain standard. God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us while we were still shaking our fists at him and living our lives as if he wasn't as important as us. And I don't know what you think about God. I know some people think about God as some type of benign ancient spirit that watches us from a distance, a disinterested and detached. I know other people think of God as being like some type of cosmic policeman just ready to pounce on us and get us in trouble. But what we see here in the Bible is that God isn't like that at all and he's far more like a father or a mother who, who loves us deeply like his very own children. Uh, as, as a father or a mother committed to loving us no matter what we've done or no matter how far we've wandered, willing to do whatever is necessary to keep us safe. That's what God is like. And while at first appearances, as we, as we come to Romans chapter 5 eight, and we read what it says there, it seems that God has got it wrong when it comes to loving us as sinners and sending Jesus to die for us as sinners. What we need to realise is if God's got it wrong, he's got it wrong for us. And what does that mean for you and for me? I don't know if you ever look at those uh, billboards that churches put up at the front of their church. It's probably best that you don't, it's best to keep your eyes on the road. But I remember seeing one a number of years ago in Carlingford Road and I, I was, it was so impressive, though unattractive, I stopped to take a photo of it and here it is. And I stopped to take a photo of it because I think it really captures uh, what the Bible is saying at this point. Feel ugly? God thinks you're to die for. Do you ever feel ugly? Uh, do you ever feel unlovable? Do you ever feel that you're not the person you think you should be? Do you have, ever have those times when you feel guilty or ashamed and wonder if God can still love you despite the things you have done? The Bible says it doesn't matter. God still loves you and thinks you're to die for. Because when did God love us? And when did Jesus die for us? God loved us and Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And this is the message that lies at the very heart of the Bible. This is the message that lies at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And this is why the message about Jesus is called the good news because it really is good news when you stop to think about it. And I don't know where you are uh, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you've been coming to church for years. 
Well, let me ask you, what do you think God is saying to you in the Bible today? What he's saying is, he knows what you're like. He knows your deepest thoughts. He knows your darkest secrets. And that even when you're feeling ugly, and when you sin, and when you fail, or make a total mess of things, or when you look in the mirror and you don't like the person staring back, what is God saying to you? He's still there for you. He's still there for you to love and embrace you and accept and forgive you when you turn back to him. God will still be your father no matter what. Because God didn't send Jesus to die for you and love you when you were on top of things, when things were going well, when you had everything sorted out, uh, when you were perfect in your actions. No, God did all that while you were still a sinner. Do you feel ugly? God thinks you ought to die for. But let's just say for a moment you're not yet a Christian. What is God saying to you through the Bible today? I think what he's saying is this. Even if you're new to all this, even if you haven't got all your questions answered as yet, maybe you haven't got your life sorted out, maybe you don't know the Bible that well, maybe you don't think you're particularly spiritual, particularly spiritual or religious, what is God saying? I'm here for you as well. I'm here for you as well. And I want you to come back to me. I want you to come back to me and experience my love, my love, my commitment and what Jesus has done for you in bringing you forgiveness and paying for your sins. Because being a Christian is not about being good or being moral or religious. What it's actually about is actually knowing that we have sinned against God by putting ourselves first. And knowing that has consequences because God is just. But it's also about knowing that God, despite that, still loves us and wants us to come back to him and send Jesus to die for us, to pay for our sins. And, and it's about embracing that for ourselves by trusting in Jesus to take the full force of the impact on our behalf. And in the end, that's all that is required to start a new relationship with God. That's all that's required to be a Christian. And if you're at a point where you actually want to do that, if you're at a point where you think that embracing God's love for you through trusting in Jesus is what you want to do, well, I've got a short prayer here that I'd love you to say. And let me read it out for you so you know what you're saying goes like this it says dear God I know that I'm a sinner and that I don't deserve your love I'm sorry for the way that I live my own way without you but thank you for not giving up on me and sending Jesus to die for me so I don't have to face your justice alone 
Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler and help me to embrace your love every day of my life. Amen. If you want to turn back to God and embrace the love that he's shown you in Jesus, let me invite you to join me in saying this prayer. Because God really loves you and thinks you're to die for. And he's just waiting to hear from you through words like these in our prayer. So, uh, if you want to, please join me and uh, we'll finish our time together by saying this prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I don't deserve your love. I'm sorry for the way that I've lived my own way without you. But thank you for not giving up on me and sending Jesus to die for me so that I don't have to face your justice alone. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler and help me to embrace your love every day of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.